All right, and welcome everybody to this very special edition of the Talking Space Podcast. The only purpose of the Talking Space Podcast is to educate and to inform. The views expressed in this program are the opinions, experiences, and conclusions of the guests. They do not represent the official policy or position of the Space Tweep Society as a whole, NASA, any other space agency, company, contractor, or affiliate. We choose to go to the moon. for June 28th, 2010, and we are here to discuss the National Space Policy of the United States of America released on this date. It highlights six main goals in pursuing the future of all space programs. The six main goals that were conceived are, one, energize competitive domestic industries, two, expand international cooperation, three, strengthen stability in space, Four, increase assurance and resilience of mission essential functions. Five, pursue human and robotic initiatives. And six, improve space-based earth and solar observation. Now, these are the six key points, and it goes into great detail of each of these. So which one of these do we want to discuss more in depth first? Well, all of them are are, uh, admirable goals, but there's a couple of them. There's a couple of uh, topics in the uh, the meat of the the thing that, that... I think, you know, again, they're they're really really good, but there's a few other things here too that I'm still kind of sort of scratching my head on. Uh, Mark, you had a couple of things with reference to um, the GPS system that uh, we're right. talking about here. Right. Uh, I, I'm noticing one of the goals now: the assurance and resilience of mission essential functions, and um, you know that to me it strikes me as being extremely broad because. They talk about the spacecraft, supporting infrastructure against disruption, degradation, destruction, whether from environmental, mechanical, electronic, or hostile causes. So, I mean, that goes everywhere from the weather to earthquake to uh, terrorism to hostile uh, war attacks to a variety of things. But uh, something that I noticed earlier in June related to a, uh, a satellite that had been uh, control had been lost of it. It was the Galaxy 15 satellite, and un- un- unknown to us here on the planet, um, you know, it wandered from its assigned location across the path of another satellite, and you know that was certainly no uh, nothing hostile. It was just a mechanical breakdown, let's say, and the the companies that. One, the second uh, satellite that was at at risk of being interfered with was SES and their AMC-11, and they took action to move the AMC-11, you know, somewhat out of its box. They look at how close satellites can be without risk of frequency interference between them, and they said that it was actually going to be 10 times closer than what they would consider optimal to avoid interference, and so they moved it partway out of its box, and... Uh, 
over the weekend of, uh, I believe it was May 30th through June 1st, uh, they had no loss of service to their to their customers, and you know that was part of the cooperation and 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 teamwork aspects of this that uh, that you'd like to see. But just in contrast, here was another article that I read earlier in June about India and the fact that. Uh, you know, they had had some studies that indicated that they should pursue anti-satellite weapons as a national interest for electronic or physical destruction of satellites. Uh, they wanted to have satellites that had uh, better than, than one meter resolution for imaging. They wanted to get some precision-guided weapons that were integrated to their, re- their own uh, regional satellite navigation. They wanted to have a, a satellite network providing them some independence from other nations for tactical and strategic communications. They wanted to work on uh, defenses against nuclear, biological, chemical weapons. They wanted to have defense in their cybersecurity arena. Uh, they were going to pursue hypersonic weapons and directed energy weapons. And so, you know, we're looking at the peaceful use of space, and that is part of the principles of this document which uh, on on the previous page under principles, it says regarding the United States, consistent with the inherent right of self-defense, deter others from interference and attack, defend our space systems, and contribute to the defense of allied space systems. And if deterrence fails, defeat efforts to attack them. So, you know, there's a lot of peaceful uses of all this, but, but there's a lot of risks to the satellite system that, uh, that nobody thinks about. And I think it's good that the, the U.S. is putting this out there and bringing attention to it. It's something that's going to take, I think, a lot of time and probably money and a lot of redirection of resources from, you know, it's, it's like we're building, uh, think of the United States, the interstate highway system that started, I guess, back in the 50s. The U.S. built an interstate highway system for for. I I, I know I know the, the the I mean the whole reason why we have the interstate highway system is really for the military. Uh, in the event for, of yeah, it was, it was justified for the military use and also for commerce. That's the word I was looking for. Right. And here here we are with satellites providing us communications. We're getting uh, Earth resource monitoring. We certainly have military use of, of space based assets. And uh, and now we're saying, wait a second, we need to be careful with this. We need to consider the, the threat of attack and uh, and we're going to, you know, we're going to stand by this for our own national interest and that of our allies. So this all isn't, uh, you know, isn't isn't all hunky dory, peachy keen. Uh, let's all hold hands and work together. There's a little bit of there's a little bit of defensive posturing going on too. That uh, yeah, I'm sure the military is happy about that. The defense community, the contractors are happy about this. Um, industry probably wouldn't mind if they got to build extra satellites and launch vehicles and a uh, whole lot of whole lot of change that uh, that could come along. Yeah. Uh, again, there, there's a lot of good stuff in here. You know, um, I'll have to agree with you on that one, Mark. I mean, I, I don't think it's all. You know, I I, I see that uh, folks are not thinking this is all butterflies and and uh, and kittens here. 
Um, there's a few other areas here too that uh, I kind of like actually. Um, you know, there's some, there's a thing here on page, uh, where are you? Page six, um, develop and retain space professionals. Apparently there, there is a plan or at least the beginnings of a plan to go ahead and try to, you know, develop, uh, uh, young minds coming into the program and trying to hang on to those young, young, you know, really brilliant minds. Um, well, to me, that's, that's a fantastic deal. Uh, there's another thing on here, also the same page, um, on international cooperation. Um, and to scroll down a little further, um, on page eight, which I don't know how this is going to work, but, um, you, there's a, there's a mention here of, uh, of developing nuclear power, you know, a, uh, mm-hmm. u- utilizing, uh, uh, nuclear engines or, or nu- nuclear power for, uh, for future, uh, for future spacecraft. So I know NASA has had in the past um, some rather loud protests from people, uh, you know, uh, dealing with RTGs and, and all that. I think they actually, somebody, I remember, if I recall, back in 1997, there was a group that was actually trying to stop the Cassini space probe from being launched because of an RTG on board. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think this will probably go ahead and say, hey, it's now na- national policy to go ahead and, and look into better ways of leveraging nuclear power and so on. Um, but I'll, I'll go on to, to uh, one thing that kind of bug that's actually kind of scratching my head on here a little bit. And Sawyer, I think you, you had the same observation, Mark. Um, before we started the show, I think we kind of just fired this one paragraph to each other too, and and, and maybe had the same thoughts. Um, it, it was uh, on page ten, the fifth paragraph up from the bottom. There, develop governmental space systems only when it is in the national interest, and there is no suitable, cost-effective U.S. commercial or as appropriate foreign commercial service or system. That is or will be available, and the first thing I said there, and, and again, just just for those, um, and this is in the uh, commercial space guidelines section on page ten. Uh, I kind of sat there and I, I was looking at that, and I was like, "Huh?" I have to admit, uh, after reading the whole thing, I agreed with Gene completely. I I thought to myself, "That makes no sense," and one word came to my mind: contradiction. Yeah, and that was when you. Even just go over the main goals of the entire discussion that they had. One of the main goals is to expand international cooperation on mutually beneficial space activities. At the same time, here you are with one saying, if possible, try to avoid international and stick with government, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, what? so I'm like, uh, okay, gang, which is it? That or it seems actually more like it's saying my mistake that, you know, wait until the last minute for government. But one of the things that's strange is uh, it goes through all of them, but foreign commercial service or system that is or will be available is last listed. I don't know if that's meant in a prioritized way or if that's just how they managed to list it when they were typing it. It it might have been the latter story. I'm not sorry. I'm not sure. But. To me, this kind of condones the gap. I don't know how 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 the how the rest of the team feels about it, but to me, this kind of just sort of 
condones the gap and condones reliance on other systems other than our own. When isn't it in the national interest to develop a space initiative? I guess that's the line that bothers me. It's always in our national interest to develop a space initiative, a government space initiative. By the way, one more contradiction I just found reading over that same section. This is all in one section, all on page 10. The one just before the developed governmental space systems only when it's of national interest. Mm-hmm. When you go up, it says, actively explore the use of inventive non-traditional arrangements for acquiring commercial space goods and services to meet U.S. government requirements. Yeah, I've got that line highlighted myself. and I'm, I, 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 Go ahead, Sawyer, please. You're talking about here that you're trying to go with the governmental route at the last moment possible, yet in the exact same section, they mention explore ways that meet U.S. government requirements. Now, the only thing I'm thinking of with this is an old plan that was created a short while back. I'm not sure of the official name of it. But it was an international space policy that was to be created that discussed basically what would have to happen in space, that we would pretty much have to all play nice while up there in space. If one of us threw a toy out of the sandbox to keep the uh, same example going, then we would be able to start our own sort of mini kind of war or anti, you know, uh, belief in what the other country was doing in space. And that failed miserably and this seems like it's just trying to revive that exact same thing yet hopefully this will be a little more successful <laughs> yeah i hope so too i mean again there, there's i'm just looking through this again this same page here um second paragraph from the bottom cultivate increased tech, technological innovation and entrepreneurship in the commercial space sector again great great idea um you know, it, it goes hand in hand with what's been going on lately, and and, and the whole policy thing, and um, uh, just growing these new fledgling companies that are that are that are coming up and over there. And again, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Um, but uh, we move on um, over to uh, page eleven. And this is under the Civil Space Guidelines, Space Science Technology, no, I'm sorry, Space Science Exploration and Discovery. And it sets forth some directives that the, that NASA will will participate. And uh, one of them, again, is the, is the administrator of NASA shall, quote, and quoting from here, set far-reaching exploration milestones by 2025, beginning crewed missions beyond the moon, including sending humans to an asteroid by the mid-2030s and sending humans to orbit Mars and return them safely to Earth. Now, Gina, again, you, you were the one, the other, you and I kind of questioned on the previous show the wisdom of sending a human over to an asteroid. We just kind of, I'm still, I think we're both still trying to wrap our heads around, around that concept. I don't think it's worth, it's just not worth the resources it's going to take to do it. There's so much more we could achieve by going to the moon, even if we're not ready to go to Mars. There's so much more we could achieve. And I'm yeah, not yeah. saying that Constellation was the answer. Maybe there's a better way or a more effective or efficient heavy lift vehicle that can be developed. 
Maybe the so-called quote-unquote warp speed is something that's not too far off in engineering future. But why? I, I, I don't see any point in trying to go to an asteroid as long as we can collect the data to deflect it or destroy it if one is a threat to us. Even if there's something there that's worthwhile to mine, wouldn't it be easier to somehow capture a smaller one? I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. We'll never be able to set up shop there. So why are we bothering to go? I, I think maybe it's just a, um, a demonstration flight to figure out. Well, it's out. an awfully expensive way to have target practice. I really think that all of, I mean, the nation and the world would be so much better off if we spent our money, time, and resources and manpower trying to get us on back to the moon and set up some permanent established presence there. Okay, we're not ready for Mars. Maybe Mars is even 100 years off. Maybe we just don't have the technology to protect the astronauts through the radiation that's going to take them to get from Earth to Mars. Maybe I won't see it in my lifetime, but there is no reason then why we are not headed back to the moon. I have to agree with you, Gina. I mean, the, to me, still, the moon, you know, and, and we've had, um, I've had arguments with a few people before on this one. Look, the moon is not really a good Mars substitute and all this. I'm like, no, it's not. But as and I, I know, it's, to- it's sort of a been there, done that. But and I, I can buy that argument that we've been there, we've done it, we've achieved it, we've accomplished it. But if if Christopher Columbus thought the same thing we wouldn't be living in the United States of America right now. I mean, let's not get into the whole Columbus argument and who really discovered North America, the continent, and so forth. But the point is, is if our, you know, um, Renaissance-era voyagers who had to build vessels and cross the Atlantic Ocean to come to the New World gave up or only spent, you know, a few hours of their efforts into trying to discover a new terra firma, if you will, we wouldn't have the United States of America right now. I mean, everybody would still be crammed over in Europe. I mean, I don't understand why we think six trips and really a, a handful of hours out on the surface of the moon is enough to move on to somewhere else. There's so much again, more Jean- we can do and see. Yeah, Gina, again, I, I agree with you. In fact, I, I think we, we've had, we may have had this conversation um between our, ourselves once before, but um, my feeling was, okay, been there, done that. Yeah, but, you know, how far, how much of the moon have we really, really explored? That's like saying, you know, again, somebody's coming over here to, uh, you know, somebody from Europe, say, saying, oh, yes, I've seen America. And the only thing they've seen is Elizabeth, New Jersey. I mean, come on. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So I I I kind of question I still I, I I'm with Gina here I, I really question the validity of going going for an asteroid here. Um, I think this is a great robotic mission. Um, but but for for humans I think maybe you you have to spare the human for things that that a human could really really be good at, and that is planetary exploration that is landing on on the moon or going for Mars. And, and trying to do that, um, but but the thing that, that that really really scares me about this paragraph are the timelines. That means you know if I read this correctly, that means if you know SCS one thirty five if it does fly next summer, 
um, when that thing leaves in 2011, the next theoretically the next thing we may see sitting on pad 39A may not be there until the 2020s. I mean, that's that's kind of that scares me. <laughs> that really frightens me that we will not have any type of capability or the United States will not have any type of capability. I mean, grant you, you know, I can already see the letters coming in now. Well, there's SpaceX, there's Orbital and all those guys. Yeah, but they're going to the International Space Station and, and that's fine. But they're really not U.S. critters. They're not NASA condoned critters. Um, NASA won't have a spacecraft that's going to go somewhere and explore until 2025. That to me, that to me is scary. I was about to use the exact same word of scary, yeah. just when you think about the implications of that as well. And it's true that we should start to rely a little bit more on other countries and, you know, sort of stray away from the whole governmental aspect of it because it's going to move a lot slower, honestly. But at the same time, we still need access. We still need some way, shape, or form government-mandated. And some of you are probably saying, wait, why government-mandated? Aren't we trying to get away from that? Well, yes, we are. But at the same time, if things aren't government-mandated, you still have that chance for a lapse of safety. And it's a lot greater than if you, with another company such as SpaceX than if you do with the United States government, who's been doing this since the 1950s or 1960s with humans. Yeah, the the next paragraph, by the way, the, the, uh, the talks about, um, or should I say, the, not the, the following paragraph, um, talks about seeking partnerships with the private sector uh, to sort of help in, in exploration endeavors. So they're saying that, yeah, we are going to open up the door to folks like Orbital and uh, space exploration technology, you know, uh, space exploration uh, uh, technologies to uh, to go ahead and, and, and help them out a little bit, or at least that's what I'm getting here. Um, Gina, there's something else that they, they kind of look at, too, where you were talking about, you know, the infamous warp drive thing. Um, there is a, a mandate here saying to implement new uh, space technologies and develop a test program working with industry, academia, and international partners to build, fly, and test several key technologies that can increase capabilities, decrease costs, etc., and so forth. Uh, it sounds to me too that they may be talking about, you know, developing, you know, a manned version of the Ion engine or a manned version of the uh, Vasmir engine to go right. ahead and and try to get to Mars and so on. But they're they're also um, you know, talking about trying to get into, you know, the radiation question and, and things like that. So if you can solve the radiation question, then, you know, we may have a legitimate shot at Mars. I'm hoping to God I see it in my lifetime. I don't know if it's going to happen. But the moon, yeah, again, with you, I'm with you. I and mean, we should set up some sort of permanent presence there, similar to uh, a McMurdo station in the in uh, Antarctica and learn from them. Who knows, maybe some of the answers uh, to the questions that we currently have about uh, space propulsion need to actually be there. We still have all that water that, that we've discovered there. So who knows, maybe that might be might hold the key. We, and, we don't know. And we also have LRO there and some of the other robotic missions, which brings up a whole other question also addressed in this paper. 
do we focus more on robotic missions or man missions? Because can robots do the same thing as humans? I mean, I remember Scott Maxwell actually addressed that on our Mars rover issue. But at the same time, when it comes to something like this, especially what's mentioned in here, what do you think? Yeah, Mark, you... Go ahead, Gina. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, robots are never going to be able to experience and translate what it was like to explore that new place for mankind. And there's only so much you can get excited or be behind a, a robotic presence, even though it's exciting when it's brand new territory like Spirit and Opportunity on Mars. It wouldn't be the same as talking to a crew of human beings who have come back from the red planet and sat there in front of a school audience, a government audience, uh, just public visiting a visitor center and a NASA installation and talking to these people and saying, tell us what it was like. I mean, that's the kind of things that, that, that inspires people. It rallies people. It's really opens people's eyes. So, wow, this is incredible. I mean, oh yeah, that's nice. The robots went to Mars, pick up some samples, analyze them and send us the data back. It's two completely different things. Yeah. Uh, do you know, man on, Go ahead. No, go ahead, sir. I saw a comment on Twitter. I think it was from a young woman who said that she was excited at the thought of going to Mars and bringing back, I don't know if it was mentioned as one of the rovers or one of the other missions that's been there exploring Mars, but actually bringing it back. And that's a big dream. That's a big dream. That's something that's not been thought of or done before. Wouldn't that be really cool This, you know, to have my... Uh my nephew, possibly, you know, when he's my age, to go back to uh, the Smithsonian and see spirits sitting there. Yeah, Would that Phoenix. be too darn cool or what? Mm-hmm. Or Phoenix. Yeah. Hey, I've got a comment on international cooperation, and, and I don't know if I'm missing something, but it says that uh, the departments and agencies in the United States shall – and this is uh, bottom of page six, top of page seven. Promote appropriate cost and risk sharing among participating nations in international partnerships. Now, it seems to me that the, the headline there of strengthen U.S. leadership, I think of leadership as being out in front, you know, blazing the trail, developing the hardware, doing the things that nobody else is quite ready to do or quite ready to do to the degree that a, that a leader is. And yet, the, the bullet on this says, promote appropriate cost and risk sharing among participating nations. Where is the leadership in, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? We're going to do this, but we want everybody to have a part. And by the way, chip in. Yeah, I mean, the, the international partners have already said that, that the United States has got to take the leadership role in whatever really, really gets decided. Uh, so, it, it, I'm, again, Mark, I'm with you. Uh, let's everybody just kind of, you know, dive in or, or what? Or, or is the U.S. really, really going to go ahead and take the leadership role in all of this? Um, to just move on just a little bit, little bit in here... Um, uh, I'll go to uh, to one of the last things they talk about, which is already really occurring. Um, again, maintain a sustained uh, robotic presence in, in the solar system. Again, you know, we've already sort of got that in place now. Uh, 
on on Mars and and in orbit um, around there. Uh, we have Cassini around Saturn. Um, we have a whole bunch of other other spacecraft. Shoot, Voyager two is still the Voyagers are still active, and they were they were sent sent out in 19, 1977. Sure, so we astro- still have astronomy astronomy missions. Um, uh, um, Wise no, for wait. one. Wise. SDO solar solar exploration. And that was one of the things. That was one of the the next points there, Mark. Good lead in for me. Uh, continuing a strong program of space science for observations, research, and analysis of our sun, solar system, and the universe. That w- is definitely underway. Uh, the James Webb Telescope, SDO, um, Hubble currently, and we've already got those things. And apparently, this is a nod to that for that type of stuff to continue. Um, the the good part about this is it also directs the NASA administrator to um, conduct a, to quote quote here to conduct a program to enhance U.S. global climate change research and sustain monitoring capabilities. That's a good move um, to go ahead and, and look inward to take a look at the Earth as a planet and make sure that uh, things are going well. Just, uh, you want to make sure that. Um, it may finally, you know, kind of shut up a few people that that are that are on the climate change bandwagon or off of it um, to really, really monitor this, monitor this world to find out what's really, really going on. Um, try to take care of our own home, and there are there are good, robust plans in here to do that. Um, again, if for anybody that's interested, that's page twelve of the entire report. And just so um, everyone knows, there is a link to this actual report in the show notes. So in case you've been uh, haven't realized it yet and have been wanting to follow along or read it yourself, you can find it there. Thank you, Sawyer. Um, the uh, there's also Mark you were talking about on um, page thirteen, I guess there's some national security guidelines here. Um, which if it basically one develop and acquire and operate space systems supporting information systems and networks to support U.S. national security and enable defense and intelligence operations during time of peace, crisis, and conflict. So, you know, again, as you had pointed out earlier, uh, this isn't just, you know, let's hold hands and sing kumbaya. This is also let's look out for ourselves, too, in, 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 a, in a dangerous world right now. Um, another point, reinvigorate U.S. leadership by promoting technology development, improving industrial capacity, and maintaining a robust supplier base necessary to support our most critical national security interests. Again, there's a you know, you, you, there's a danger of, uh, of uh, shortage of uh, folks that understand these systems and know how to operate them and know how to build them. So let's try to retain those folks and let's try to uh, go ahead and uh, maintain the, the parts that are that are being used to uh, to support all this. I mean, again, good points, but uh, to go back to to Page ten again. I'm, I'm again. You know, I am really, really frightened that uh, we will not have some kind of capability to get folks off and to go off exploring to finally do what we should have been doing for a while now, which is getting the heck out of the gravity well. And I guess maybe it's my own frustration. I don't know, but um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still kind of, kind of scared. <laughs> And one of the other comments, too, uh, that I recall, this was actually from SDS-132. Um, Bobby Braun, who is um, 
uh, associate, I believe, uh, I forget exactly what his his, his title is, um, the associate administrator for uh, for new technologies, I think it is, over at NASA. Somebody's going to correct me, I know it. Um, I asked him a rather poignant question. Um, we had uh, monitors set up in the uh, in the tent there, and uh, it was a um, there was Atlantis sitting there uh, ready to go. And I asked you know, when the, when will be the next time we are going to see another vehicle you know, sitting there ready to go on Pad 39A. And the chilling answer was he didn't know. And that still that still sits in the back of my head, boys and girls. It really does. I'd like to make a final comment. Gene, you opened the door on this, and I didn't really uh, grasp it with some things that I know from my work. But uh, the very last item at the very end of the document talks about radio frequency surveys from space. Yes, sir. And uh, to minimize uh, interference and such or to, to, to be proactive and, and catch it before it comes a problem. Uh, one time, I forget which airport it was, but there was a instrument landing system, which basically is what aircraft fly along with GPS nowadays. But an ILS allows aircraft to fly when visibility is near zero and to put the plane in the center of the runway in exactly the right spot. And there was a grocery store that was on an approach to a major airport that had uh, a, a scanner, a, you know, like for price check scanner, mm-hmm. that was causing interference that was affecting the normal signals for aircraft on the approach to the airport. Wow. And it was found. It was found, but it, it took a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of people on the ground probably looking for the source of it, aircraft flying around trying to figure out uh, if there was a point that it was localized from. And, and here we are with space. If we were to look at the spectrum that we've got today with satellites, with ground systems, and just all kinds of, of radio frequency emissions, um, it's going to get tougher and tougher as time goes by to, to maintain and to keep everything. And uh, having somebody that's in space looking at, at everything on the ground is going to be something that will be important. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Researchers, uh, industry has got to be excited about some of this because in one place it's saying this is important. These are things we need to focus on. However, on the other hand, if you were the NASA administrator or other department heads, how would you like to have this document where all of a sudden dumped in your lap you've got a lot of things that the president has said, handle it. And, uh, and oh, by the way, uh, if you need any money, just ask for it in your next budget submission. <laughs> now, that brings up an interesting point, actually, because, Mark, you and I had the uh, chance to listen into a teleconference, which was being conducted with uh, some of the people that helped create this. Mm-hmm. And one interesting point that someone asked during the Q&A session, where's NASA? There was no representative from NASA in the panel or listening in at all on the teleconference and I found that interesting because you're saying how you know you just you got to do it and give someone the money in this case they're just doing it and completely I don't know if they're completely ignoring the public or they didn't feel ready to make a speech because I know that uh, Charlie Bolden as administrator did release a statement but that was about it it was the typical you know what was required to be put out so I'm not sure if there's something fishy going on here or if it was just the response in which they gave us that we'll be hearing more from them in the future. 
definitely, and that was a statement I caught at the beginning of the conference. They said that specific guidance uh, will be coming out in the future. This will provide a, a future foundation and that there will be more on this in future months. So uh, this isn't simple, and in a lot of cases, I think there's things that are already part of the, the, the mission that, that agencies have. But uh, go ahead. No, guys, you were you were you were saying there was no NASA representation. Was there anybody else like say from um, the State Department or DOD or or uh, NOAA or or any of the other organiz or Department of Commerce? Those, those folks. Was there any representative from there um, in, in, on on board with telecom? I'm just curious. To be perfectly honest, it was kind of difficult to tell who was who in that case. Did you notice the same thing, Mark? Uh, correct, and I'm looking now to see if uh, if we can get a reference to who the participants were. Yeah, me too, because I joined in slightly late. The only reason have... I recognized this was because during the question and answer session, someone mentioned that, and that was their response. They continually alternated. It's just who they were alternating between could have been a little bit more clear. Oh, here's another thing. On uh, NASA Watch, uh, Keith Cowing made the statement, I just got this notice of a, uh, a press briefing. Uh, a minute ago, I had a total of six minutes advance notice. Can't think of a better way to cut down on questions. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. The plot thickens. And it's referred to as senior administration officials. Hmm. That were on, that were on this conference call. Yeah, because he was involved sir. with it as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I don't know if there's something tricky going on here or if there's got to be something to go along with it. I think we'll be talking about this in future weeks. What do you think? I think so, and I think we should also ask the listener's opinion. Do you think so? I think so, too. So what do you guys think about this whole thing? It's Do you agree with any of the comments? Disagree with any of them? Uh, anything that we talked about? Any other information that you have? Please, please, please send it to us, because people have called us semi- uh, NASA-centric and pro-government. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's not just about us. It's about you, the listener. So we want to hear your comments and your opinions, and you will get to hear your comment on the show. Please, so, please, please. Exactly. You can send it to us at our email address, mailbag at TalkingSpaceOnline.com. You can send it to us on our Twitter account, which is at TalkingSpace. You can leave us a message on our Facebook page. Just search for Talking Space on Facebook. And if not, there's always our Contact Us page on our main website, TalkingSpaceOnline.com. I know that's a lot to digest, but all that information will be in the show notes. And if you are so inclined, if you're lazy like me and don't like writing all that much, uh, send us an MP3. We'll play it. Exactly. About a minute to two minutes long, and we'll be more than happy to play your voice. Speaking of playing your voice, I believe that this mini-episode has been completed. So thank you, everybody, for joining us on short notice. Thank you, Gene McCulka. Uh, always a pleasure, Sawyer. And indeed, I, I agree with Mark. We're going to be talking about this uh, uh, probably the next time we meet. So, again, can't wait. It's going to have plenty of implications on a lot of things. Thank you as well, Mark Ratterman. Yeah, let's uh, meet around the campfire next time and roast some marshmallows. Sounds good. I'll bring the graham crackers. And thank you as well, Gina Hurley. You bet, Sawyer.
And thank you, the listener, for once again listening to the Talking Space podcast. And have a great day, night, evening, or whatever it may be where you are. Thank you.